It is something worth getting excited about. I want to welcome you. It's great to have you. It's been an amazing weekend already. People have been saved. It's been exciting. Worship has been off the chart, and we are thrilled that you're with us. Uh, before we uh, dive into the Word, I want to remind you, uh, this is one of the last times that you can pick up these invite cards for Easter and then the following weekend for uh, the movie that we produce called The, the Shadow Shadows. And so the next two weekends are going to be huge. 13 services and 10,000 people Easter weekend. Can we do it in Jesus' name? Come on. So if you can, if it, if it will fit your schedule and when you're bringing people, if you could come on Friday night or Saturday night, that would help us out a lot because we'll have thousands of new people on all of our campuses that weekend. But make sure and take these. There's one side's for the kids. The other side is uh, for adults, but understand this is Pellissippi-only schedule. Every campus has a different schedule, and so if you'll do that, that'll help us a lot. Secondly, you know, last year we were building from, de- from January 1 to December 31. We, ex- we, did it, uh, we also launched in North Knoxville, so last year was a, a really building year. It was a hard year. It was the first year that we didn't hit budget in 17 consecutive budget cycles. But I want to tell you, after five quarters of being behind, we are ahead of budget, which is where we should be. Man, you guys have been great. I've heard so many people that made commitments in the Tapped Out series, and man, folks have got promotions, and God is blessed in a thousand different ways. So it truly is exciting. And so we are going to complete the series today, sort of, because we're going to smother Easter in grace, but the series called Greater Than. Now, let me ask you a question. Has this series helped you? Because really, we want you to be set free. And the only, way, the, only free, the only true freedom is the freedom that God gives. And so last week, we talked about the two covenants and the second covenant, the new covenant, and inaugurated in the blood of Jesus, erupted with the resurrection of Jesus. And our theme for the series has been Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You should have this memorized by now. For by what? You have been what? And that not of who? It is a what? From who? Not as a result of, lest anyone should. Why should we boast? Because we didn't do anything. God did it all. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough. You can't buy it. It is a free gift of God. So if you've missed any message in this series, go online or go to our resource center at every campus that we have. Free DVDs, free CDs. Pick it up. Rerun it if you've... uh, or especially if you haven't, because we've been building with the Bible. And part of the real difficulty with this is learning to accurately handle or rightly divide the word of truth, which is 2 Timothy 2.15. Because here we are, we're reading the Older Covenant, we're reading the Newer Covenant, and when we read those, it's just a tendency to take all the truth of the Old Covenant and bring it into the New, but the Old and New don't mix. So every time I read the Old Testament, I'm going to be honest with you, I see Jesus on every page. I see the Son of God all through the Older Testament. And so you've got to, you, you've got to, you got to realize and rightly divide them or you will just, you'll mix along grace and it will just mess you up. It'll rob all of your joy, all of your freedom, all your victory. You can be born again and still walk in chains. And Jesus' job was to come to set the captives free. So we're going to look at a story that many of you have known uh, over the years 
Some of you are new to church, you're new to faith, or you're still kicking the tires, and we're thrilled that you're here, and you're going to get to hear this story for the first time. But whether it's your first time or your 50th time, this story is where the term the prodigal or the prodigal son comes from. It is found in the book of Luke, the 15th chapter. There are two brothers, and but the story wraps around our hero. The hero is not the prodigal. The hero is the father. It is the dad in the story because he's a type of Christ, a type of uh, typification of God and God's grace. And it says in verse 11, then he said, a man had two sons. And so, uh, uh, so this man has got two sons. And he's about to tell us a story, but let me tell you a, a uh, text that does not have a context is a pretext. So why does Jesus tell this story? Not only this, but actually he tells three stories in Luke 15. The lost sheep, the lost silver coin, and the lost son. Why does he tell them? Well, let's go back and let's look. In Luke 15, 1 says this. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Now, if you're listening to him, you know that Jesus is in the house. You know that you're preaching the gospel of grace when people far from God are coming, when people whose lives are wrecked, whose marriages are falling apart, when people who are struggling with issues know that I can go to that church and I can get help because Jesus is in the house, because Jesus always drew people around him that were far from God. The people who thought they were close to God were rarely ever drawn to Jesus. Because those were law people, Pharisees, older covenant. And Jesus was bringing and inaugurating the newer covenant. Verse 2 said this, both the Pharisees and the scribes, the preachers and the deacons, the elders and the small group leaders, both of them, all of them got together and began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. They were mad because he wasn't inviting them, but he was having his meals and fellowshipping and preaching to the people that were far from God. And so in that milieu, Jesus steps into these scribes and Pharisees who are angry. They're mad at him. And Jesus said, hey, boys, let me tell you all a story. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you three, but we're going to skip two. We're going to go to the heart of Luke 15, which is the prodigal. Now, in the prodigal story, there are two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. The older brother thought he was too bad and he was too far to receive grace. The older brother thought he was too good and he did not need grace. The younger brother is a picture of rebellion, of separation from God. The older brother is a picture of religion and trying to work your way to God. Is, is, it, is that, you get that? So the story is, is very simple. Uh, a man has two sons. His younger son went to the father and said, Father, would you give me all my inheritance now? Because I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Vegas, and man, I'm about to have me a pate. I mean, I'm going to get with it. And so the dad gives him one-third of all of his wealth. He goes to Vegas. He parties. He drinks. He plays roulettes. He shoots craps. He chases hookers. He is having himself a grand old time. And then, as all parties do, it came to a bad end. And most partiers realize sooner or later the party comes to a bad end. Have y'all, do y'all know that? Because some of you are still in the party and don't realize it usually has a crashing bad end to it. So he has this bad end. He's broke. He's in the gutter. And he, he realizes that I, I could go back and be a slave in my father's house and be better off because I'm, I'm not even worthy to be a son. And so he goes home. 
The father receives him warmly, has a big party, and while they're having a party, the older brother comes in from the field and says, hey, man, what's a barbecue I smell? And what's it, why did dad hire a band? Hey, because your brother was dead, is, uh, is alive, and he was lost, and he's found. And, and he, he's out there screaming and yelling, angry. And so the father goes out there, and he tries to tell, hey, your little brother's here. He said, man, I'm not a punk. That punk, I'm not coming in. And so they have a conversation. Well, again, both, neither brother looked for grace. One said, I'm too bad, and one said, I'm too good. So let's pick it up in verse 12, and, and we see the younger brother. The younger brother said to his father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything, went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, the younger son looks at his dad and said, I really wish you were dead. Because when do you get your inheritance? After your parents what? After they die, right. And he said, I really wish your dad would want all my money now. Give it to me now. Now, you just thought entitlement began in this generation. You look at entitlement of the dictionary, this guy's picture is there. Because this guy looks at his dad and said, I wish your dad, I know you've worked all your life and I haven't done anything, but I want it all right now. I want it now. I, I, you owe it to me. I want a party. I don't want to work. Give it to me. And so he did. Now, what I would have done was smacked him around. Come on, Dad, are you with me? I'd have smacked him around a lot. Now, he'd have gone on a long trip, but he'd have been broken and hurt. <laughs> but I'm not the dad, and it's a good thing. And so he goes, the Bible says he squanders. The word squander means to take the chaff and the, take the weed and to work it until it separates from the chaff. And then you throw it up in the air, and the chaff blows away the hull, and what you're left with is the wheat. Literally what this guy did, he took everything that his father had ever earned and he threw it up in the air and he blew it away. That's what he did. He just, he just blew it away. He, of all the generations, his father, his grandfather's great-grandfather's great-great-grandfather had spent decades accumulating. He just, they spent all this time gathering. He scattered it. They accumulated it. He decimated it. Just it was gone just like that. In what? He, in loose living. He was partying. But again, the parties usually end up badly. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So that's what happens to the, to the younger brother. He wakes up, he's in the gutter. Man, he's broke, he's got a hangover, he's got needle marks up his arms. Man, he's, now he's broke, man. All the hookers are gone, all the friends are gone because, you know, you ain't got any money, man. Nobody wants you around. Are you with me? And so, man, they just sort of boot him out. And he ends up slopping hogs, which are the worst job ever for a Jew because they thought that hogs were, they were unclean and it's horrible. Now, let's be real. How many of you have ever slopped a hog? Let me see your hands because we got some rednecks. Come on, hold them up there. There we go. All right. Now, if you've ever slopped a hog, it is nasty. Are you with me? Now, I love me some bacon, but what they eat is nasty. It's horrible. And, and so what happens to the guy in verse 16? It said this, he's, he's starving, and he said, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him, nothing. So here he is, starving to death, slopping the hogs, really was, was ready to eat the slop if the owner would have allowed him. And then look at verse 17, grace breaks on the scene, but when he came to his senses... I love that part, don't you? Do you remember when you came to your senses? 
Do you remember when it dawned on you? And it listen, if you're listening, I am. It is always a work of grace when your separation from God dawns on you. When you realize that you're separated and that you're a sinner and you're in dire need of a Savior, when it dawns on you, that is called the grace of God visiting you. And when it dawns on you, your eyes are open. Now listen, for me, I was in a, I was in a, a hospital bed after a drug overdose, just like, the, just like the younger brother. Some of you, it might have it dawned on you when you were eight. The worst thing you ever done, have done might have been a smoking orange crayon. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad we were all separated from God. And when you realize it, when it's the realization dawns on you, it is God that opens our eyes, right? Try to tell somebody they're wrong. It never goes well, does it? It just doesn't go very well. And so, no, because we always think we're right. So it takes an act of God to expose us. He came to his own senses and said, how many of my father's hired men got it better than me? I'm going to go be a slave in daddy's house. Why? Because I'm unworthy to be a son. I'm too bad for grace. Listen to me. I don't care how bad you are. Your badness is not near as God's goodness. And your badness is not stronger than the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross and rose on Easter Sunday. Are you with me? Some of you believed a lie. You've never turned to faith in God. You know why? Because you believe you're too bad. I got news for you. God's bigger than you. Are you with me? He's bigger. And so he's on his way home. Well, he's on his way home. The older brothers, man, he's going to church. He's giving his money. He's serving. He's doing his deal, man. He's memorized the verses. He's doing everything because he is a picture of the law of religion. Verse 25 says this. Now the older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. The grill was smoking. It was smoking. Now, there wasn't a green egg back then because I had fallen in love with the green egg. There wasn't a green egg back then, but the cooker was on and the fatted calf was on there. And, and, and they had gotten a band and all this is going on. He hears it. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. Then he became angry. Listen, are you, looking, are you listening? If you're listening, say I am. The law is never happy when lawbreakers come home. I want you to listen to this. The church in America is full of people that are mad when new people come. You got my seat. That's my pew. You'll have to, I've been sitting in that pew for 85 years. It looks like you have because you're aging like milk. And so, you know, you're in my parking place. You've got my pew. You've got my power. You've got my position. There are people that are living by religion. They don't want anybody new to come in. Somebody that walks in, they look what kind of car they're driving. They look, where, where, where do you work? Let me, how are you dressed? Have you got a suit and coat on? Well, you can't come to the house of God without a suit and coat. Jesus didn't wear a suit and coat. Well, you got that old scraggly beard? Jesus had a beard, and I'm going to be like Jesus. I might wear a robe next weekend. I mean, listen, it's not about how you dress. It's not about a beard. It's about a heart. Are you with me? And faith promises the grace place where prodigals, they can come on home. Woo, man. Woo, come on. 
Somebody help me. Next weekend, 10,000 are going to be here. All of our campuses, and we're going to preach the goodness of Jesus. And God's going to open people's eyes, some of your family members and neighbors and classmates. And they're going to say, yes, I want Jesus. And there's going to be a party in heaven. This rich young ruler, I mean, this, this younger brother thought he'd been to a party. But God's got one plan. Whoa, I can't wait. Come on. And he goes on. He's angry. He's mad. Wasn't willing to go in the party. Listen, the law never gets to the party because the party's the grace place. And the law never gets to the party. And his father came out and began pleading with him. He said to his father, listen to this, verse 29. Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a commandment of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. Do you hear a few personal pronouns in there? Because, see, the law's all about me, what I've done, how good I am, how hard that I've worked. I, 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 look at all that I've done, and you never gave me a party. See, Ephesians 2, 9 says, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. What was the older brother doing? Talking smack. I mean, listen, I, man, I've done it all. I'm the man. I've been here. That punk brother of mine's out there partying with hookers, and I'm sitting here plowing your field, and, you, and, and he's been out there doing all that stuff, and I'm here, and I, and I, and I, and I. What do I get? That's the law. That's about what, that's about what I want. See, the old covenant's about perfection and performance. It was about obedience. Like the rich young ruler, what else do I need to do, Jesus? I've kept the law from my youth up. I've obeyed everything. Am I good? Have I checked all the boxes? Because that's what we're looking for. Listen, it's not about checking a box. It's about looking by faith to Jesus. Are you with me? That's it. That's it. Looking to Jesus. There's no I have to's and I've got to's. If it was you and what you had to do, it would not be unmerited. It would be merited favor because it would be through your works. But let me tell you about this story, what always makes me angry, and that is this. The church is full of the older brother in America today. Would you all agree with that? And you know what boggles my mind? Listen, listen. The church is full of the older brother, and we all ought to be the, all used to be the younger brother. Every one of us were in sinful rebellion, was separated from God. If you're born again, you, then God opens your eyes. And you got saved, and now you've been serving God for a while, and you cop the older brother attitude. Are you with me? What about these people? Look at, look at what they do. What about all these new people? And we begin to point fingers, and I, 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 and them, them, them. It's we, 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 and him, him, him. And so, but, but the spirit of the older brother is pervasive. That's why America says, we don't go to church. The church is judgmental and critical. And the reason is because they met the older brother at church. The church ought to be the grace place because it ought to be filled with people that were the younger brother that got saved, and now we just live our lives in utter gratitude and sheer awe and shock that Jesus would pay the penalty for us. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, but, yeah, but God, God is mad. God's not mad. God was mad. See, in the law, God is angry because the law's been broken. God was angry. And our scale was down on this side. Our, our, our works were, our sin had outweighed everything. 
I mean, we, we were lost and dead in trespasses and sins. And Jesus came and took every lustful thought, every adulterous act, every person we'd ever steal anything from, every lie we'd ever tell, everything that we would ever do wrong. And Jesus would grab all that and he would climb on the cross and his blood would cover our sins. And the anger of God fell on his son. And now God's no longer angry. Are you with me? We all walk around like, you know, if I don't do good, God will be mad. Listen, God's mad was already spent. It just was. Yeah, but, you know, I got baptized. Of course you got baptized because you were saved. But what about all the serving I do? You serve because you love God. What about all the money I give? You give because you're grateful for all that God does. Is that right? Isn't that right, church? We don't do that to get God's favor. We do that because we have God's favor. We don't do that to get God to love us more. You couldn't make God love us anymore. There's no way. See, salvation is about love and grace. And so why do we walk in holiness? Why don't we just sin all we want to? Because we were given a new heart and a new start, and we were given a new desire, and our minds were rewired, and our heart were replaced. And Romans 6, 14 says, No longer will sin be master over you, for you're no longer under the law, but you're under what? You're under grace. See, the older brother was judgmental and angry and critical. Have y'all ever met anybody like that in church? <laughs> Why? Why? Why do we do that? Angry, critical, mean. Listen, the meanest people I have ever met in my life, I met in church. They wouldn't spit on you if you were on fire. I mean, man, they're just, they're just mean people. I'm just telling you, honestly, I was a back alley drug dealer. Drug dealer. Dealing out coke and shooting cocaine and, man, selling pounds of marijuana and, man, buying bags of a thousand lewds and doing all this stuff. Listen, I, when I got saved, man, I got fired up and, man, I'd never been tr- talked to so ugly and treated so badly. Are you with me? You know why? Because the older brother goes to church. And the old, listen, the older brother he hadn't accepted grace either. So the other brother was hinging on his works. The younger brother just thought he was out. It was too late. But the hero is the dad. Let's look at it in verse, in verse 20. It says this, So he got up and came to his father, but he was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now listen, this guy has already confessed. He had confessed it long before he got home. He had already rehearsed his confession. And so as as far as the father was concerned, it was already a done deal. So when the son followed, the the dad looks, he sees the son coming. And the Bible says he felt compassion, which means to be moved in your gut. And he ran down the road and he grabbed his boy and he held him up and he kissed him on the cheek. His son was, was quoting his confession. The father didn't even listen. He already knew. He said, bring it, look at this nasty robe. Get my boy a new robe. Somebody get a diamond ring to put on his finger. Somebody put some sandals on his feet. For my son that was dead is alive. And man, he, we are kill the fatted calf. We are going to have a party. Now the younger son is bum-fuzzled. He can't believe it. He can't believe it. That's not what he was expecting. Would it be for you? Because had I been the dad, he'd have, I'd have smacked him around in Jesus' name. 
I'd have laid hands on him about the head, neck, and shoulders. I mean, just a couple of times, Lord, I believe God would understand. He just spent a third of all my money on hookers. What? You better be glad I'm not God. <laughs> Listen, don't you laugh. We're glad you're not good either, God either because you'd be cooking people like a weenie on a, on, a, on a spit, wouldn't you? Somebody pulls out in front of you in the parking lot, whoo-bow, Jack. <laughs> Come on. Don't that let you, listen, you've wished it. In a traffic jam, you just want to, like Moses, drop the stick and park the cars. <laughs> we drive through. Are you with me? Come on. You're waiting at a restaurant. Hey, come on. I know. You go to the restaurant and they say it's an hour wait. I don't think so. Boom. And all those people are gone. There's a few tables. Go ahead. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not God. Because God doesn't respond like we would. We would respond out of emotion and anger. God responds out of grace and love. Grace and love. Man, God is just hugging him, loving on him. Because you know what? When the Father says, put a new robe on him, we get the robe of righteousness. When the Father says, put a ring on his finger, we get the signet ring of the power of God of the Holy Spirit. When we say, he said, put some sandals on his feet, shot his feet with the gospel of peace. I mean, listen, we got a robe and we got a sandal and we got a ring just like this younger brother got it. I mean, because that's how God responds. Then the Father said to his slave, bring the robe, put it on him, the ring and the sandals, bring out the fatted calf, kill it. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life. He was lost and he's been found. And they began to celebrate. Listen to me. When the prodigals come home, they celebrate in heaven. That's why we clap when we see a baptism. That's why when people raise their hand and they say, I want the grace of God, we clap as a church because we know when to party, don't we? Because this is the grace place. This is a place where you get your sins forgiven. Because what about the younger brother? My, sin, my son was dead in trespasses and sins blocked from the father but what happened God's grace visited his eyes were open and he was dead and he has now come to life which is salvation now did this boy deserve grace did he deserve grace no as a matter of fact under the law he deserved to be stoned but that's not what he got was it that's not what he got that's how God responds look at the older brother how his response Angry, not willing to go in. His father came out and he started all the eyes. See, you can't mix law and grace. Are you with me? You can't mix the two. Because true grace is not about what you deserve or getting paid back for what you have done. It is about the, it's about the unmerited favor of God and forgiveness. And works never get anywhere with God. It's just a seesaw. I don't know about you, but I'm sticking with grace. The older brother pointed his accomplishments, I'm pointing to the cross. Are you with me? I don't care if you serve God for 90 years. But look what the dad says in verse 31. Son, you've always been, we, been with me and all that I have is yours. You're the son, not because of the work that you have done. You were born, my son. And we as sons and daughters are born again into the kingdom of God. John 1, 12, but to as many as received him by faith, salvation by faith through grace, but to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the children of God. And he dresses us in a robe, and he puts a, and he, and he puts a, puts a ring on our finger and sandals on our feet. Look at Colossians, and this is a great four chapters of study in lieu of grace and understanding who you are. Verse 13, chapter 1, for he, Jesus, 
rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption to redeem is to buy out of, to purchase the forgiveness of sins. Church, we could spend now until Jesus comes back and we would never mind the mysteries of the cross. We would never get to the depths of the love of God. We would never fully understand grace, no matter how long we look. Does that make sense? So let me ask you a question. What are you looking to? Are you looking to King Jesus? Are you, by, are you looking to him? See, under the law, the younger brother should have been stoned, but so should the older because he was disrespecting and disobeying. And under the law, if you disrespected or disobeyed your father, you got stoned. I like that. And I'm not talking about with weed. I'm talking about with big rocks until you're dead. But I'm going to tell you, under grace, everybody gets to go to the party. If you say, you know what, Pastor, man, I, I've, I, you're right. I've been living some law. and Man, I've, I've tasted grace. I've been born again. I want to live in the party that Jesus bought for me, John 10.10. 10, I came to give you life. I want to walk in that abundant life. I want to live in grace. Man, I, I have been saved. I know it. And, man, I want to live the party that Jesus bought. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Come on, slip it up. Slip it up. Holy God, we raise our hands in affirmation, in adulation in worship of the King of Kings, the one who gave his son for us, the one who came to us and opened our eyes. You saved us. You sealed us with the Holy Spirit. You have filled us. You have protected us. You are moving in our lives. We will not be so saturated with guilt. We will not wallow in sorrow. We will not deal with self-pity. We will not be sucked into the law. We are children of the Most High God, born again, freed up, and we will walk in freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Somebody give God some praise in the house. Now, some of you have been a part of the younger brother. You said, I'm just too bad, Pastor. You don't understand. I'm just too bad. All I've done is too much. Now, listen, I don't care how heavy you think your sins are. The blood of Jesus is greater. His goodness is better than your badness. Or some of you have been on this treadmill of religion going to church, getting perfect attendance, Sunday school pins, giving your money, doing everything you think that you're supposed to do so that God will smile. And you're ready now, so I'm ready to get off the law and I'm ready to get in the grace train. I want to get in the, I want to get in the place where the, where the grace is poured out. And you said, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I, man, I, I want to be born again. I want to walk in that favor. God has opened my eyes. I realize that I have sinned. Man, I, whether you're the older brother or the younger brother, I realize I'm separated from God, and I want Jesus to come in my life. We're going to pray for you to slip up your hand. Slip it up. Come on, just hold it up there. We're going to pray for you. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Just hold it up there, all right? Anybody else? Okay. Uh, let's pray with these folks right now, church. Let's pray this prayer. Everybody's prayed out loud with them, would you? Because they're getting ready to party in heaven. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned because you opened my eyes. Forgive me for my sins. Come in my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I'm saved by grace, and now I'll walk by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, man. People are getting saved. Woo! All right. Now, there's going to be some pastors down front. If no one saw your hand, we've got a gift for you. Just come down. We're going to give you a stack of books that we have for you across the front. There'll be some pastors, or you can take your communication card and check. I, need to, I, got, I prayed with a pastor. I need to be baptized, or I need to get in a small group, or I need to serve, or I need to sign up for next steps so I can find out how to be more committed. And one more thing before we go. Has it been good to be in God's house already? Come on.
All right. Now, next weekend is Easter, and there will be several thousand guests on this campus. Now, we're family, amen? We're a core. We're a team, right? Okay, we need all the team to get in the game next weekend. Some of you on the sidelines, you're enjoying it, man. You're just growing fat and spiritually happy, and it's wonderful. We're thrilled. Get in the game. And so in every seat, there are these cards. Somebody wave them at me. Let me see them. These cards right here on top of them. Easter weekend. Let me see them. Come on. Let's give a wave offering. All right. Next weekend, there'll be several thousand people on this campus that, you know, it'll be, it'll be our largest attendance on this campus ever. And everybody that comes are going to bring their children. Little blessings. And somebody needs to Velcro them to the wall. I mean, somebody needs to care for them in the children in the preschool ministry. Listen, there'll be moms and dads next weekend, grandparents who have never been born again, who will check their kids in and come in here. And they need to not be worried that somebody's, that somebody's not taking care of their kids. They need to know that their kids are learning about Jesus and they need to come in here and get saved themselves. Amen? So what, what I, is your pastor, I'm asking you, if you're not serving, if you can serve next weekend, Go to a serve, sit one, serve one. Sit one with all your guests and serve one. Check on here, put your name, your phone number that you answer. Why you people fill cards out that you don't ever answer is beyond me. And quit giving us your spam, give us your real email. And this check the service that you'd like to serve, Friday, Saturday, Sunday first, Sunday second, and what age group you like better. If you don't get a call back because we have too many, show up 15 minutes early for that service. Go to the check-in counter and say, hey, I signed up to serve in X, and they'll put you to work. Listen, listen, we're a team. We built this facility. We have expanded the wall so more people can come. Are you ready to get in the game? Amen. That's not, you'll never get out of here without amen, trust me. Ushers, lock the doors. Can I get y'all to help? Right. Keep them locked. Can, am I going to get some help? All right. Come on. We love you. Be blessed. See you next weekend. Happy Easter. It's going to rock.